So welcome to another episode of Espresso and Earl Grey. I'm I'm Sam Wan. And I'm Sam Chan. And this is where we do light-hearted talking about deep thinking. Sam, I want to tell you about a movie that I just watched a couple of days ago. Uh, it just came out on Netflix called Predestination. Um, it's it's an Australian film. And the minute the the what do you call it? The minute the when it started, it said Australian films, and I thought, oh, I don't want to watch another Australian film. And then the next one was Queensland films, and I was like, great, you know, nothing wrong with Queenslanders. Um, but it was actually one of the best films, well, maybe not one of the best, but one of the most thought-provoking films I have seen. Um, I don't want to spoil the story, um, but it's about time travel. And how a particular time travel agent has to do a series of tasks in order to save people. Um, and there's two major things that are raised in this movie. You have to watch it if you're a movie watcher, if you're into sci-fi, if you're into paradoxes and, and ethical dilemmas. Because this is shot really well, acting really, really good, and the plot by the end of it, you you just want to watch it again and go, have I just seen what I've seen? Um, but one of the main premise in the stories and the questions that it asks is whether or not we have free will, especially in time travel, right? right? Like, is time just one straight line and we can't change the past? Whether or not everything that has happened is determined and supposed to be, or whether or not we actually get to choose. I think that's one of the big questions of human nature, isn't it? Free will. What are your thoughts? You know, let's. I know we're diving in into the deep end, but give us a a um, elevator pitch on free will. Wow. And the choice. Yeah, so I really had to dig deep into this because I had to give a talk on artificial intelligence. And whereas once upon a time, the human question would have been, so what's, what's the difference between humans and animals? You know, what, what, what makes a, what makes, what's the difference between me and a dog or dolphin or donkey? And in the past, we would have come up with things like capacity for language or music or something like that. And now we realise, no, probably not even that. Maybe dolphins can sing as well. But now the big, quick, big, deep question is, what's the difference between me and a computer? Because computers run on algorithms. Uh, we too run on algorithms, supposedly. We're just a combination of neurotransmitters, neurons, synapses. And so people out there like Yuval Noah Harari, who I keep quoting... He says, that's it, we are no different from sophisticated computers in that we run on complicated algorithms. So, meaning, every, meaning, he says we are hardwired, predetermined, predestined, there's no such thing as free will, free choice, and moral accountability. And audiences lap it up, but at the same time they're a little bit disturbed, and they because they had no comeback, because based on it, well, he calls it what it is, it, in a purely naturalistic, mechanistic universes, a universe of physical cause and effect, he's right, we are predetermined. 
How does that make you feel? Well, I, I feel quite... I, I love it. I lap it all up because I say amen. Amen to that. Because, again, if, big if, if there is no ghost behind the machine, and that's a big philosophical problem, like what, what makes brain... No, no, what's the difference between mind and brain? And soul and... Yeah, and consciousness, consciousness and, and yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It really, if these things are all just an illusion... We just run on algorithms. So it's actually, we, we, we talk about this all the time and we open up all these cans of worm, worms all the time without knowing. So we, when we say um, bi biological determinism, I'm born this way, for example, that's, that's determinism. Or when we see a counsellor... So whether that's like, whether we're born... Whether that's sexuality yeah. or whether uh, ethnicity yeah. or what, what else? Well, you're genetically predisposed to yeah. Yeah. alcohol abuse, yeah. for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, genetically predisposed to diabetes issues. and asthma. Yeah. And, you know, when therapists ask you about your family History. growing up, you know, that's a form of social determinism. So we're, we're an environmental determinism. So we're realizing that we are who we are because of uh, biological, social, environmental determinism, but whether it's 100% versus 80%, 40%, or is it just a little contributing factor? But we do this all the time. We actually live as if there's determinism way more than we realize. When I when I think about it, someone said to me, asked, someone said, is, is there really free will? Because when I go to the shops, there are only so much I can choose from. I don't have the freedom to... If, if they only serve Pepsi and Cola, I don't have the freedom to buy Fanta because it's just not available. And so I go to the shops choosing either Pepsi or Cola. Um, and that's an environmental determinism, right? You wow. Well, we're opening so many cans of worms <laughs> right now. Because in philosophy, they talk about, well, they're different sorts of freedom. Yes. So, yes. you know, yes. Yes. Your, your freedom is bound by your nature. So I'm a free human being, free to make choices. And someone says, but are you free to fly? Yeah. Uh, no, because I'm constrained by my nature. And at this point, philosophers distinguish between two sorts of freedom. Right. One where one which is freedom from constraints. Yeah. The other one is freedom from compulsion, compelling. So, so if someone puts a gun in my head and say, you must have the Coke and not the Pepsi, that's where I've been robbed of free will because yeah. I was compelled to make yeah. that choice. But you could... You but could, if you could I go to the shops it, right? and they've only got Coke and no Pepsi then you can say, well, did I freely choose a Coke? And some philosophers say, yeah, because you chose freely, your choices were constrained, right. but you weren't compelled with a gun at your head. Right. And people make a distinction. Whereas other people go, no, you had no free choice because you only, they only had Coke at that point. 
And in philosophy and in theology, these two camps will argue it out. Yeah, I, I think it just bringing back that into into um, into memory and freedom. Um, I've just finished watching WandaVision on Disney Plus. I'm not going to spoil it, but um, just going to talk about Vision as a character. Vision, do you know? Have you, you don't? I've have, seen it. Yeah. So on the Vision, internet. Vision is an artificial intelligence powered by the Mind Stone. <laughs> but really, he is artificial intelligence, and he, over the course of the movies, he's learning what humanity is, and he becomes, I guess, more and more human. And the question is, is, is vision vision? Is vision real uh, without vision? Um, and so is vision just made up of his memories, and is his then current actions just a learning from previous memories of who he was and what he interacted with that becomes today. Are we, as human beings, just the makeup of our memories and the firing of our synapses? Oh, I, need, I can't believe the cans of worms were opening right now. <laughs> but this was Immanuel Kant, you know, famous German rationalist uh, enlightenment philosopher. The whole thing, like, like... Are we trapped in our subjective experience of the physical world? Because even if there is a physical world, we have no access to it. We've only got access to the light photons that are coming from that tree outside, which are hitting the back of my eyeball, my retina, which now fires off transmitters to my brain. But I actually have not accessed the tree apart from my own subjective experience of that tree. is not a philosophy no so why do you keep bringing up these well I keep bringing it up because but I keep taking it you keep day. taking it um I want is it worth thinking about these things yes because we live in a world right now that believes in moral accountability as if we what's moral accountability where we do have free choices yeah. so when we call out someone like a Harvey Weinstein Weinstein and we have the Me Too movement, and we have the Black Lives Matter. We're calling people out, saying, you at that moment had free will. You did not have to oppress someone of a different color skin from you. You at that moment had a choice not to... Sexually abuse. Yes, that's people. right. Yeah. And, and use your position of power and influence. Like you had free choice. So you are morally accountable for your action. Whereas if we pull out the predeterminism card and say, this is who I am, my algorithms have wired me this way, I can be no other, there's no moral accountability. And Yuval Noah Harari actually says that in, a very, in all the interviews, and the interviewers don't know what to do at that moment. Because to, to, in a naturalist, mechanistic universe of physical cause and effect he's right so we have to be more than just physical cause and effect that's what i'm saying so really we in a way we can't be oblivious to this we can't what you're saying is 
we can't completely fall in line with a naturalistic worldview because in doing that, we rid ourselves from moral accountability, ethics, right, wrong, good, bad. Um, and so does this then make our society at the moment, which perhaps many people are naturalistic, uh, a bit of a, in a confused state or a contradicting state, you reckon? I think so. There's a, a book out right now. I just wish I could remember his name. He's a Harvard professor of, of evolutionary ethical theory called Weird, how the West became so weird. And his big thesis is we, well, basically we enjoy a lot of the benefits of the Judeo-Christian ethical worldview, but now we've tried to ditch, you know, the Judeo-Christian foundation behind it. And we still want the good stuff. The bit where we believe in universal human rights, universal human dignity, universal benevolence, but we've actually taken away the foundation. It's like we're enjoying the fruits, but without the roots, the tree. And it will be interesting to see how long this can go on for. He said he was called on as an expert witness in Canada to rule in a case of polygamy. And, and, and the courts had to work out, is this okay? Because Canadian law says you can't have polygamous relationships. But then someone says, who says? Who says we can't? And then they had to fum around and just pull out a precedent while well, we've just never had it. And it was the most dodgy precedent they pulled out. And then this guy's point was, well, really, without a Judeo, where we live as if we assume a Christian worldview, many of these moral ethical issues. But really, when push comes to shove, if someone says, well, there's no such thing as a Christian worldview, then who are we to enforce universal benevolence, universal human rights, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement? Because we are in a world of social, physical determinism. I just want to. Yeah, I've taken you in a very deep way. Deep way. You were talking about a movie made I was by Queenslanders. Queenslanders, <laughs> based on a particular book. Um, worth watching, everyone. Um, I'm just trying to land this somewhere. Where the movie lands... Maybe I'll, where the movie lands it. And I'll try to say this without spoil. Well, I, I am going to say this without spoiling anything. It, it raises the question, are we predetermined? And then the second question it raises, if we are predetermined, or if, we're, if we are, then is it better to just to live in a way, to be utilitarian, to live in the greatest good? Wow. Because things are going to happen anyway. You might as well do what is good for many and leave some behind. That's the ethical conundrum? Yeah, that's do the we, ethical... Do we take that ball and run with it? Or yeah, we try go to end this it. episode? Yeah, yeah. Wow, the greatest good so for the is, greatest this number is why of people. This is, this is such an interesting movie because it's hinged behind these wow, two you things. Know, the comeback and it's is... all about time travel, about so someone trying to do good and trying to obtain free will when in reality they realize is there free will and am i doing good 
Yeah. Well, of course, the obvious comeback for that is who makes the rules on on who gets to get the greatest good? Yeah. Who is the greatest number of people? Are we going yeah. to mob rules, majority rules? And it's one of those things where, you know, when they dropped the atomic bomb on Japan, the greatest good was at the end of World War Two, but it wasn't very good for the people who got the bomb dropped no, on them. No, so yeah. that's uh, yeah, that's remember, always the ethical yeah, conundrum. Yeah, I remember I was in Hiroshima, and I went through the um, and uh, went through the 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 A bomb museum, and so one of the cultural things in Japan is that you you you, you don't display public emotions. You never display public outbursts of emotions. So you could tell it was very sad, but no one dared to cry. I'm a foreigner and I was walking around and there was this exhibit of kids' artifacts, uh, kids who've died, artifacts of all their exhibits and a story and then their last words. Tears were just streaming down my eyes and I remember this big, this one quote that was printed out, you know, probably two meter by two meter, and it, and it said in Japanese and in the English translation, it was hell. And I just thought, I, I can't justify as, as, as good as ending World War Two was I can't justify saying that the, the atomic bombs were good and I guess that's the problem with a purely utilitarian ethic is it a matter of greater than two, uh, um, what, what is it the good of uh, the lesser of two evils ah oh. My goodness. You can either choose the lesser of two evils or or the greatest good or you pull out the virtue card ethics and sorry to end on this, but what sort of person am I? Is this who I want to be as my guiding moral principle? I know we've raised a lot of questions and I think this podcast is here to raise questions and perhaps not to give answers. Sam, for you, you're a Christian, you're a philosopher, you're a thinker, you're a, you're a theologian. How do you tackle predestination, good, greatest good and evil? Wow. Well, this is where you realise there's another dimension of this and it's character. It really is character. Who am I? Um, yes, I'm shaped. Yes, I'm determined. But I believe in free will. Somehow all these things come together and it all comes down to, well, what sort of person do I want to be? And, and, and uh, it's like, why do I stop at a traffic light? Is it merely because the law tells me to? Well, that's a very thin ethic. Is it merely just because I don't want bad outcomes as an accident? Or is this what a good person would do? And I think that's a thicker way of understanding life choices and moral accountability. And what? how would you determine goodness? How do you determine goodness? Wow. Oh, how can you be asking these sort of questions right now when we're trying to wrap this up? Well, 
it all comes, well, you can, uh, the, I come down to what's called the teleological concept of goodness. And something is good comes from the Greek word telos, design. Something is good because it does what it's designed to do. A good lamp produces light because that's its design. A good pen writes because that's its design. A good belt keeps your pants up because that's its design. So I live a good life because I live the life I'm designed to live. But that only works if you believe there's a designer, an ultimate designer behind the universe, a logos, a principle. And as a Christian, that means I'm guided by the God's spirit who lives in me. I'm guided by Jesus and his teachings. And ultimately, I'm guided by the fact that God wants to make me more and more into, the, into a person in, a, in the image of God. Uh, the person that God wants me to be more and more into the image of Jesus, if you want to pull out the New Testament. Well, thanks for... I know, listeners, we've been opening a lot of boxes. Uh, perhaps a little bit more deep diving than we usually are. Um, but I think these are really important things to think about because... In a way, it, it, it shapes the moral fibre of our universe and it shapes the moral fibre of our lives. And um, I hope you get something out of this. Until next time. Mm-hmm.